it going? Hello, tech mob friends. It is your girl, Erica. Um, just hanging out. It's, I, what day is it? It's Wednesday. Oh, man, I am really not getting better at knowing the days. Uh, I just got back into town though. I went out to San Clemente and it was my first time there. It was fantastic. Highly recommend it. Super chill. Definitely enjoyed our time there. Um, what else is new? So many things. Um, TAC Mobility has volunteers. Has volunteers, you guys. Um, so I have a few volunteers that are helping me with uh, copywriting and marketing and um, just doing some research and I have someone that's helping me create like a business plan. It's just really, really cool to kind of see people trying to support this because they believe in this project. They believe in this program and I'm just really proud of it. I'm proud of all of the police officers who are sending me literally hundreds of messages. I'm not even joking you real life because TikTok has blown up and cops love TikTok. I it's, it brings me so much joy. <laughs> so getting lots of comments with people like tuning in and I'm just, I'm proud of you guys for doing the work. Um, there's some people who are not police officers who are following, um, that are listening to the podcast and man, I am really proud of them too, because to, to kind of like lean into the other side of the story is that's a hard thing. So I'm really proud of, of that for happening. Um, so yeah, so I'm just, you know, making my way, doing my thing. Um, a lot of my trainings are canceling. <laughs> I hate it. I absolutely fucking hate it. And I'm having a hard time dealing with COVID because of this. I'm having a hard time accepting and I'm really trying to work through that. But I also feel like, fuck! Ugh! So anyways... Um, some, I, I reached out, put my feelers out there to see if we could get like a firefighting facility, like a training facility and like same kind of thing. Like they're just as fucking locked down as you guys are. I don't know. I didn't think that through. Um, but anyways, somebody reached out that has a CrossFit gym that is willing to host. So I'm going to figure out what that looks like. So let me know if you're interested in attending. So here's what my thoughts are is I'm going to, it, you can, it's invite only, um, and you'll be able to go through a live demo of the training program. So you'll get like all the, like the in-person stretching and you'll get kind of, you know, the trauma informed, um, education, all that stuff. Um, so you get about two hours of training and then, um, I was going to invite some vendors out just to kind of like, you know, bring you some cool shit. So, you know, if you want to attend, let me know. Send me an email to tacmobility.az at gmail. Um, and also, I am working on getting an email that's just straight up erica at tacmobility.net. But fuck, I don't understand computers. <laughs> I understand social media. That's it. So anyway, so my guest today is Dustin. Dustin uh, didn't really know him. Um... So yeah, he he and I talk about 
mindset. It's super important because um, this is where he said he found some inspiration to kind of, you know, pick himself back up and, and, you know, start caring about his job again. And, and I think that that's where a lot of you are. Uh, I had a meeting with a local police department this morning and I was asking them about morale and <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's real low. And they're like, and it's not even really um, impacting us in in the sense that we don't have a ton of issues here in Gilbert, but because we, there are brothers and sisters and people look at us all the same way, we feel the weight of everything. So morale is just really low. So, so today's conversation is, I think, something that you'll enjoy. He talks about the areas that he can focus on. And his his passion is training. He is um, he's a jujitsu trainer, dude. Dude, this dude knows what he's talking about. He fucking knows what he's talking about. He actually there's there's a really cool. I think it's like nine and a half minutes or so into um, the episode, and he starts talking about um, one of the methods that he does to to clear his mind. So I'm just going to tell you that way, just in case you're like, I don't fucking listen. Okay. He, when he's driving home, he pulls off somewhere, stops into a parking lot and just for a couple minutes, just leaves everything there. Like less listens to podcasts, listens to nothing, chills, whatever. And then drives home knowing that he'll pick it up again tomorrow. So it's this physical action that you're doing, you're preparing your mind. Um, so dude, this man is, he's, he's got a lot of good shit. Um, what else? We're just going to jump in. We're just going to fucking jump in. Um, uh, what else? Oh, we're sponsored by Ravencrest Tactical. Tac Mobility is, that's right. Um, so if you head over to ravencresttactical.com, you can check out one of their sweet ass out the front knives. Um, these are like the old school switchblade ones. You know, so you could be like fucking, what's his name? The guy from the Fonz guy. Happy Days. Yep. No. I don't even know. If you were to say, bitch, I will give you $500 if you can sing that song. I would be like, fuck. Um, so anyways, yeah. So they sponsor the podcast. So if you head over there, you get... Um, you get 20% off by using coupon code KNIFEGIRL20. How rad is that? Um, so yeah, get yourselves protected and they have the best warranty in the business. In the business. You can do whatever you want to that knife and it doesn't matter as long as it's not cosmetic. Yeah, so if you like scratch it and shit, they're like, meh, meh. You can't like, I was trying to think, I'm like, you can't return anything anywhere because of cosmetic. And I was like, no, you can't at Costco. Costco, I fucking love you, Costco. Um, so yeah, ravencresttactical.com, coupon code KNIFEGIRL20 gets you 20% off at checkout. Um, all right, let's get in to the conversation. Good. You were an accountant. <laughs> I was, yes, I was an accountant uh, for like six years, crunching numbers. I was a tax accountant. And uh, I did it for six years, and you know there was potential to make money there and stuff, but I just didn't. Um, I feel like I was like I was. I, it sounds corny, but I feel like called to what I do, and I didn't feel like I was at the end of the day. You know, I'm saving people money on their taxes or you know whatever, but it wasn't uh, fulfilling to me. 
and I've always just felt this draw to this job. Like, man, I was I was made to do this. I was made to do this, you know. So eventually, I just kind of uh, walked away from it and uh, talked to my wife about it, and she took care of us for six months while I quit my job and wasn't hired. Just had to go to an academy, paid, <laughs> and she took care of us for six seven months while I went to the academy. Way to step it up, ma'am. <laughs> That's right. So, so when you were growing up, because I'm kind of curious about this now, because I've, I've never met anybody that had a police officer as a mother. So how, how, does that, how does that work with, like, two police officers as parents? Did, was, did your parents kind of do a good job with that, like, nurturing role? Because normally a lot of the, the stories that I hear or interviews that I do, you know, it's like you had mentioned earlier where, you know, they bring the job home and it, that's their experience, but that wasn't something that you did. So did – and then, then those people don't have like a nurturing dad and that's kind of like the story. And so did you have that kind of nurture in the home having two police officers? Yes. So and statistically, my parents being cops should have never worked, right? I, when you just talk about statistics, cops marrying each other doesn't necessarily work at a, at a high rate. Um, but man, they provided such a good example for me. And my mom... Um, I think there's some stereotypical like uh, with female officers that, you know, they have to take on these masculine qualities or, you know, typically masculine qualities or yeah. carry themselves in a certain way. My mom never, never felt that she had to do that. Um, she used the tools that she has. She's smaller in stature, but she could, my, my, you know, my dad would say, you know, she would, we, they'd have a, a guy, you know, really combative and, you know, two big knuckle dragon officers out there, mm-hmm. you know, ready, ready to handle business and, and take them into custody. And then my mom would show up and, you know, smile at them and you know, <laughs> talk them into handcuffs. And that was a done deal. No fight, no, uh, no confrontation. So she, she used her strengths and, and she was a, you know, a renowned, uh, child crimes investigator. So you had a good rapport with children. It took a toll on her. Um, but she never lost any of those motherly qualities, those, I guess you would say typical, uh, feminine qualities. Um, she stepped away from the job for, uh, just a few years when we were very young and then went back to it, um, in a different capacity. Um, but my, my dad came from a rough upbringing and I think it's what drove him, pushed him toward law enforcement. And they, I think they both... I think they both did really well at shielding us, you know, from that, from the outside world, but not putting us in a bubble to we, where we didn't experience, you know, what reality was, you know. I'm so sorry. My kids are like, it's like World <laughs> War II on the other side of this wall. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I got two kids. I understand. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So you're talking about, so your dad had an upbringing that was kind of whatever, which caused him to, yeah. Yeah. So, so you were in the Academy. Um, how, how are you on any specialized teams or anything or did you just do patrol? So, uh, I got, I got into the game late, like 28. I started as a cop. So I think it gave me a, a leg up on like life experience. I've seen how things work in the private sector and, um, 
you know, I grew up playing sports, team sports my whole life into college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a part of something and being a part of a team was really attractive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as I got out, I mean, that's that's what I I, I worked patrol for uh, about a year and a half at my first agency. And then uh, got into a specialized unit for uh, gangs. And then uh, got on the SWAT team shortly after that. So uh, worked SWAT and gangs for about five years at that other agency. And then I just I just lateral to a new uh, agency about a year and a half ago. So when, when, when we talk about mindset and that all building and, and you wanting to change your mindset about stuff, how much of talk about how that was impacted working gang and SWAT because I, I'm not super familiar with Central Valley other than I had worked with um, a neighboring police department for TAC Mobility and yeah. ha- just hearing some of the stories from Central California just very different than what I I was like no there's no crime and it's like hippie hippie and like I don't know <laughs> and everybody's it like gives that vibe because it's very it's very rural and then there but there are pockets. Uh, dense pockets and, and uh, cities kind of dispersed, you know, 30 miles, 40 miles away, um, se- separated. Um, but there is certainly a lot of gang activity, a lot of uh, drug use. I mean, we have the highest property crime rates in the country. Um, and gang violence is pretty prevalent. So it, it, we definitely get our share of uh of crime and, and, and violence. So mindset was a, certainly a, a big portion of that. And I think early on, like a lot of cops, I did, I did adopt a very kind of warrior, uh, mentality. And I think the academies kind of, they kind of drill that into you a bit. I'm not sure if it's good or bad. Um, well, I think that it's a really crucial part of being able to go in and do that work. I mean, if you look at military and how that whole, like their boot camp and how they use that camaraderie to really build that family unit, that's like where, and, and then there's these stories that kind of support what you're doing to make it possible for you to do that, which is interesting because psychologically that's helping you desensitize yourself from your human emotion that says, I, <laughs> yeah, you do have to detach mm-hmm. from that in yeah. order to make the right decision sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think the, that the warrior mentality plays a role mm-hmm. and it's crucial. Um, I, um, there's a lot of controversy about it right now and i think there's a lot of different ways to look at it and some people tend to just split hairs on what's warrior and what's a guardian and it's like you just have to be able to detach from emotions and sometimes physically do what's necessary you know for the situation at hand Mm -hmm. um giving it a name and and uh I, i i just don't know giving a definition and everyone's got a def- different definition. It's just difficult to really pin down what that is and what it means. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you guys are not all built the same way. Like everyone would like to believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you mentioned something about adopting some of the mentality. Um, I'm wondering if you adopted some of the 
toxic behavior and and I say toxic behavior not as like a condemnation or a judgment but as in like the result becomes toxic to your relationships and stuff like that because you mentioned that you your family kind of shielded you from that or it didn't impact them in the ways that it does normal people how much of that was subconsciously there versus learned and then what did that look like for you well I think at my age so my parents had me much later in life. They both had, you know, relationships and families before my brother and I. So I think they had come to like, but by, by the time my dad had me, he was already a captain. Oh my God. On to be a chief at another agency. And then when I was growing up, he was sh- sheriff. So, um, they had already kind of established themselves and learned to navigate this whole law enforcement relationship, family life thing. Mm. So I saw that as an example. And, um, and then when I have trouble in my own personal life, it's very easy to forget that, Oh, they had these troubles too earlier on. They took some time to learn to navigate. Um, you know, and I get hard on myself because my family's had the same, especially in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've, I've just, been so fresh because I do care so much. I am so, I, I care a lot about our profession and um, some of the things that's been going on, some of the things I see have been so frustrating to me um, that, you know, I've definitely been difficult to deal with <laughs> the last few months. I've been trying my best yeah. to keep my world small and to mm. step away. And that was the ultimate when I told you the other day, I, I just put my phone down and it's been uh, a breath of fresh air. You know, I don't allow myself too much time to get deep and in, deep into that rabbit hole. <laughs> deep into the internets. Yeah, that's right. That's Dude, right. It goes on forever. That's really yeah. important. And I, I have like a relationship kind of thing that I'm putting together relationship tool, communication tool, because that is family life it can't not be impacted. Like at some point, like you're just, you know, the dam is going to give a little bit and your humanity is going to come out. And because your family, because you did a good job setting up a safe space for yourself, that's usually like, you know, you feel free to let some of that stuff out. And, you know, because there aren't a ton of tools on how to manage that or deal with it, like in a responsible, reasonable way in your field, it usually is just really destructive and chaotic. Yeah, and and I think the the problem that can sometimes arise at home is, you know, that's that's your safe place, and mm-hmm. then when it when somehow the dynamic or whatever's going on there, it doesn't feel safe. And then as an officer, you're always constantly fighting that urge to that us versus them mentality because oh. it's so easy to get sucked into. And you have to be conscious of it and you have to be aware of it at all times. And if you don't stay on top of it, you'll find yourself completely in that mindset. Um, and then when things go wrong at home, you tend to throw people you love into them, into the them. And then oh, it's like, that's interesting. I'm, like myself. I, I, I'm now, now I'm defending myself and now I'm going to go, I'd rather be at work. I'd rather be a uniform where things make sense and the people make sense and everyone mm. understands me and everyone gets me. Yeah. And now you're one of them. And it's very easy, easy to throw people into that at a certain point because you've been doing that in your head 
for so long, um, it becomes second nature and you have to fight that. You have to fight that all the time. Oh my God. I have never thought about that aspect. And I think that that's very, very helpful because I think it's worth letting people know just in general, outside of police work, how the human setup is, it looks, is unless you're tr- unless you're trained and educated on how to identify your normal just kind of like behavior ha- like um your behavior that's like unconscious so like you might be that way at work where it's us versus them if you don't know how your brain works you're not going to shut that off your brain doesn't just shut it off no mhm yeah no. yeah and i've been trying to work on this thing that i i uh you know where i pick a spot on the way home and pull over and like everything stops right there. I just drop it off right there. Um, you know, and then when I go home, do my best to just completely leave everything there. Leave it at that spot halfway home, you know, pull over in this parking lot every day, sit there for two minutes, whatever, listen to a podcast, listen to nothing. And like, everything stays right here and I'll pick it back up on the way to work tomorrow. Oh my God. I, I, Dude, I love that so hard. I and I've and I've done something similar where I try and help officers create novelty. So the idea is is what you're saying is that you use that you use those brain tricks against your brain like for to your advantage. So you you know, remember the first time that you saw your wife or your husband and you kind of like allow yourself to feel those happy feelings and those excited feelings or when your child was first born and get your brain to to notice what's going on. Absolutely. That is so brilliant. I love that and I cannot wait to share that as a solution for someone, like as an option. That's great. That's great. So where does, um, I mean, I kind of geeked out on your page a little bit and also you post the fucking best podcast ever, <laughs> dude. Oh man. I'm a fan. So, so you're into jujitsu. So, um, yeah. I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of knowledge at all, but what I've seen, so my boyfriend does jujitsu and I've seen his, I've, and he's still, I think he has one set of stripes on his white belt. Mm-hmm. And just watching from where he started and where he is now in terms of his confidence and body control. And then he's already used two different like pin things, like where like knee on the chest kind of stuff when he got into yep. fights at work. And I'm like, oh my God, like why isn't everyone doing this? Like that makes me feel so that gives me like one little more peace of mind as his girl, knowing that he's leaving, but that he has like these motor skills and like these other like smart weapons. That's a part of his body. Absolutely. And, and maybe you don't know a lot about jujitsu, but you do understand the mind, body, spirit connection, that whole thing that, that they all interconnect together. Right. Mm -hmm. And just understanding the body and, and having the body to want to do something, the mind tell it to do it, and then actually be able to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, there, There's so many benefits to it. And you said the big word, which is confidence, right? Confidence. And I did a, a master's program uh, two years ago. And my entire thesis project was about training and confidence and what confidence does for police officers specifically, you know, um, confidence it, it it allows me to be calm because i've 
I can put aside these these terrible possible outcomes that might happen when I'm interacting with this person and I can calm down. And when I can put those fears aside, when I'm not sitting there thinking, mm. oh, oh, God, oh, God, some, oh, he's going to, oh, man, what if this guy does this? What if he does that? I can put that aside and quiet that little voice. It's there, and I'm thinking. I'm always aware of what might happen. But I can put that aside knowing that, okay, I can handle myself, okay? This is fine. Mm. I can buy enough time Yeah. with jujitsu. Yeah. I can buy enough time until help arrives. So I'm going to quiet that voice right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to think and I'm going to communicate with this person because I'm calm. And when I'm trained and I'm calm and I'm communicating, you know, I'm going to make good decisions. And there's plenty of scientific studies that show that having confidence leads to better decision-making specifically. I'm talking about these tests and studies were done in Holland on police officers on shoot, don't shoot scenarios on use of force scenarios when they're better trained, they make better decisions, mm. have more positive outcomes. So confidence is a huge, huge thing. And I actually put my own department where I used to work through uh, a jiu-jitsu uh, training regimen. So mm-hmm. at, before we started, I did a survey on everyone and assessed their confidence level and did six months. Uh, we probably did 20 hours of jiu-jitsu training, assessed them again, and their confidence had jumped through the roof just in six months. And and right there, you talking about 20 hours, like for those that listen to this podcast that are not police officers, 20 hours of one specific training is not very common. Nothing. Uh, No, that's that's absolutely. (laughs) That's such a small amount. uh, Well, in California, um, let's not even talk about the actual techniques that they teach, which are Aikido outdated completely ineffectual nobody uses them that was part of my survey too <laughs> the absolutely zero officers use the things that they were taught in the academy the techniques that they're taught in the academy None interesting so, so why they are they there is, exactly that is a great question it's it's some of these standardized so we have posts right police officers yeah. of training that establish all the training across california and i think they're just afraid to attach their name to something official and they're just going to keep it the way it is. So they're See, not liable. Here's where I need officers to like, where you guys like deserve to join this conversation because if everything is being blown up and fucking let's redo everything. Let's, like here's the time for you guys to speak into shit that makes sense because we don't get it. <laughs> and And here's what ends up happening is that, Officers use techniques that aren't approved, and maybe their department doesn't back them in a use of force situation. Then those techniques don't work, so why would I use them? What do you mean back them? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like like they get so, into a fight or something like that, and... Yeah, so there, there's case law that's always going to cover you, right? Whether you use something unapproved or not. If, if someone's beating my head in with a rock and there's a brick next to me and I use the brick, there's nothing, no training, no brick training, right? But... But is a reasonable use of force and a justified use of force to defend myself. But there are also a lot of what we deal with is not people actively fighting us. Most of the resistance we deal with is people trying to fight just enough to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those are the kind of non-life threatening. Sometimes, sometimes they escalate into that, mm-hmm. where we use, you know, whatever whatever intermediate force options with your hands 
that you need to use to take this person into custody and overcome resistance. So some departments will get real picky on which this this right here is the is the liability like this is the pocket right here that gets a lot. Oh, fuck, man. This is where all of our issues right here. Our our biggest issues come right here. So this is the unknown a person who's armed. Something that started as a a minor resistance and was and was permitted to escalate. Mm. Right. And that's what I. And, and studies have shown, the four science Institute has done study after study, and the faster a confrontation can be ended, the faster it can be ended, the, the likeliness of an officer or a suspect getting injured goes down dramatically. Yeah. If you continue to allow it to go on for minutes and minutes and minutes and don't just nip it in the bud, yeah. it's, yeah. it's going to get worse. I think that here is where people outside of law enforcement, and I'm in this group, here's where we decide how progressive we want our future to be. And if, and if we want, cause, cause I promise that this, what you're talking about, like the, the longer of time that passes, the more chance that it gets to grow. I, I would be hard pressed to not believe this, but I bet that those types of parameters now exist because of what it looks like on the outside to people. And yeah. until we get to a place where we can like as a society, be aware of our own shit and like be willing to be like logical or negotiated with. Yeah. There's gonna be that gap of time has gotta be closed in the interim. You know, until we yeah. get to that place, like it's just too much stuff can go wrong, which that's where everyone has an issue with. Yeah. Absolutely. And and, and I do understand I do I am um I do my best to be sympathetic to uh, the, the idea that some people don't want don't really want to talk right now. They want to dialogue. They just they kind of want to just be heard, and that's that's fine. I, I don't. I'm not going to force you to have a dialogue with me, but dialogue will be necessary at some point for progress. Right? That just just no progress that can happen without a two way dialogue. Um, oh, so I have chills. I don't. I, I, don't <sighs> I don't try. I don't get so focused on that. That oh, you don't want to have a dialogue with me. You don't want to hear what I have to say. I got to just focus on the things I can control right now. And and that is other officers getting them ready for whatever changes might be coming. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you've got to be able to, you either, you either can do, you have one or two options. You can get out of this, which a lot of people are choosing to do. And if that's your choice, it's not an easy life, not an easy profession that that is your choice. And I'm not going to judge you for that. Your other option is to prepare yourself for any changes that might be coming and how to defend yourself in the, in, in this, this possible, you know, new environment that we might be policing in. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So this kind of brings it around to that mindset. One of the things that I've been kind of like holding my tongue and just trying to kind of like, I'm always trying to kind of balance like compassion and courage. It's the same thing that I think I, I hold everyone to, but like, that's really, really hard to do. Like to do both of those things is not fucking easy. And it's really easy to focus on the other side and what they're doing wrong or all of the reasons why it's going to be difficult to do your job. But if we understand that that's the brain's way of making excuses to not have to change because you're afraid of how that will impact your life, then you're not ever going to, you're only going to stay hyper-focused. And so I'm seeing so much fucking complaining, like all the memes from thin blue line guys that are just like going off and I'm like for what yeah and you know it's just that desire 
to have control over something mm. yet you don't have control over. Yeah. So, you know, go ahead and, and speak your mind and, you know, have some input and engage in, in the conversation and do your best to influence it in a way that you think would be best for the profession. But also prepare yourself. Prepare yourself, yourself yeah. for you not getting your way. Prepare oh, my yourself. God. Okay. So one of my friends, I don't remember who it was. We were talking about um, cops don't like the word no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what yeah. do you mean? And they're like, no, it's not a thing. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Everyone hears the word no. They're like, but that's the thing is they don't. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, every time we hear it, it, it tends to have end, you know, in a, we would like just. Oh, because it's from another person. It's like yeah. a, like a, someone that you're apprehending and it's like, come here and it's no. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <sighs> you're really going to make me, oh man, come on. Just, just listen. I'm trying to be reasonable, and no, no. It's like you're really gonna push this. I don't want to have a confrontation. Now you're gonna make me like I'm at work, dude. Like I don't want to. I don't. I'm not at work looking to fight people all days, you know. So, so it definitely gets uh, old. Okay, so so this mindset. So you're talking about things that you can control, and and not being on fo- too focused on things that you can't. So what are what are some of the things that you're focused on that are in your control right now? Uh, officer training. I'm so passionate about officer training, and and I think some officers take it as a slight, like Ooh, we're we're trained enough. The public just needs to be educated. That's true. The public doesn't need to be educated, um, but. There's also an aspect to like perception is reality. So we have to own that part of it, right? We have to own that there is this a perception and um, you can get mad about it as much as you want. So, or you can have solutions. So you can either, you know, attempt to educate uh, people who don't know about the profession or you can implement training that is going to kind of change the way they see things. Um, so I'm big about more training. Um, I think our job, we wear so many hats, we have so many responsibilities. Every time a leadership in any state or the federal level, they don't handle, they don't handle things. We have these outcomes, right? So we have like this giant boom in homelessness in California. That just gets thrown in the lap of law enforcement. We have no mental health infrastructure. That just gets thrown in the hands of law enforcement mm-hmm. in the laps. So it's like now it's our problem because society can't fix these problems and they end up on our doorstep. And so as time goes on, we just keep, you know, taking on more and more and more um, to where, you know, we've got to have the training. People get what they pay for. Yeah, I've been kind of like toying around the idea that police officers are like America's dirty secret, as in we throw everything that we don't want to deal with that we've created as a society, yes. we want to throw it at the police officers because we've set them up to, for lack of a better word, be like these warrior monsters who will fucking do it. Yeah. Like, they'll follow the order. And they'll do things that you don't want to do. And they'll go, yeah. hey, it's uncomfortable to talk to your neighbor and be a community and talk to your neighbor about his loud music. So I'm just going to send a cop over there and be anonymous. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's we've just been kind of used as everyone's, I, I don't know, that... It's a, it's I think it's an abuse of what we're, what our purpose is sometimes. Um, I have chills right now 
This is where that, man, there's never going to be effective, progressive, proactive change if, if, if either t- side of whatever two parties are going at it don't have the humility to address their participation in the fucking thing. Like, like we created all this, we have a lack of resources as a government and a system and you guys are a product of that as well. Yes. (sighs) Okay. So training is so, okay. So you're, so you're talking about things get thrown at you guys. So what I want to know is where, and this is since we're just anonymous police station in central California, what is knowing your budget and where money goes to as an officer in your opinion where do you think that money could stop going and then so that it could go towards shit that matters like training that is so hard without without the because um my dad was a well-respected street cop and even as a at a leadership level uh well-respected by his officers as somebody who understood the patrol level life um and i but i think there is still a disconnect between the frontline officers and you know leadership at at various agencies and i think handling that budget is much more difficult than frontline officers would have you think and then a lot of leadership doesn't have forgotten how hard the frontline job is i would agree and i think that that is a valid preface to you answering that question <laughs> yes so <laughs> that was very diplomatic thank you so much as a as a non you know uh non-command staff officer i i would be out of my league to say you know this is where we can take the money out of because there's guarantee there's a lot i don't understand um but i i just have a hard time believing we can't put more into training so most most lawsuits right most lawsuits stem from not from shootings from hands-on scenarios, intermediate force options, batons, OC, taser, uh, you know, strikes, things like that. Those those types of incidents is where most lawsuits come from for most municipalities. I I just feel like if you put if you put twenty percent, thirty percent more into your training budget, you're going to at least eliminate one or two of those, maybe a year, maybe every two years. And the amount of payout that you're giving on those, you just made your money back. Dude. Oh. Yes. Like that so, liability, those dollars are, I, I remember when I first started learning about payouts, I was like, oh my God, what? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the larger agencies are in California, I mean, they just have attorneys on all the time and every use of force incident or anything that might be, they, they just have an attorney go straight to the hospital and offer a payout to that person immediately just to avoid any, any further litigation. So, I mean, it, it's a full-on job for some of these bigger agencies to, to kind of reduce liability mm-hmm. and eliminate any, any further litigation. Yeah. But most of our incidents come from, you know, people excessive or, you know, accusations of excessive force on the intermediate level, not the lethal level. So in California, you're only required as a police officer to have eight hours of defensive tactics training hands-on training every two years that's your what eight hours every two years and okay so that is 
mind-blowing to me, but also if I couple that with what I'm hearing, remember that Jocko podcast about, yes. like, if you haven't gotten your hands laid on you, so yep. so so there's officers who have that little training on what it, so I, I was in my buddy's kitchen last week, and he's showing me some self-defense moves, and he, and he hit me, like, on my shoulder. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been hit the way that he hit me and it wasn't even that hard. And as we're talking, like my eyes just started tearing up. Like I got really hot. It, I wasn't even, I had no control over this response. It yeah. was just coming out. And I was like, I've never been physically hit like that by a yeah. man. And <laughs> it changes well, things. It, but to even compound it. So it's eight hours every two years, but it's in these Aikido moves. You ever seen like uh Steven Seagal movies? No. Steven Seagal is like the Aikido, you know, icon, right? It's these like wrist locks that you just and the people just fly around because you grab their wrist and turn it a certain way in small joint manipulation. And I'm not going to knock Aikido because some people are very good at it, but it's something that takes thousands and thousands mm. of hours proficient at, not eight hours every two years. And officers just ditch it; they don't use it. And what do they revert to? They revert to mm-hmm. things that they know which is everyone learned to grow up just throwing haymakers, right? What throwing punches. That's what they learned to From do. That's haymakers? what everyone learns to fight. Just throwing punches. Yeah, so, yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. So like, you know, I'm pulling out your weapon multiple times a shift to get used to that. Like if that's your, yeah. if that's what your muscle memory is, you're going to do it. And I'm not saying that they do that every time but i'm saying when we're when yeah, yeah, yeah. we revert back to what we know right 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 in, in times of stress so if i'm a i'm, I'm a i my, most of my foundation is in wrestling and when i go to a jiu-jitsu tournament i try to use technique and stuff but when things get really rough i revert back to just pure wrestling because that's what i know mm, that's been ingrained uh, in you that's where i feel comfortable yeah so officers are going to revert back to what they feel comfortable with and yep. if they don't have any training at all yep. the first thing that they're going to do is grab their taser yeah. or their baton that's exactly right. What happens is, what happens is you've introduced a weapon that, for an officer using it who's trained to use it, it's an intermediate force option. It's not lethal force. But if it is taken away from you, an officer is incapacitated. An officer who is armed with a gun and being incapacitated allows access to their firearm by someone using that weapon against them. Now it's become a lethal situation. So you can't take your hands and your fighting skills. They can't disarm you of those and turn it into a lethal situation. Right. But they can take your baton, your OC, and your taser from you, and if you're not trained to retain them, and they turn them back on you, now we've escalated into a mm-hmm. lethal force situation. Yep. Now, that was their decision. I understand that that is the suspect's decision to do that. But if we can become proficient enough with our hands to never even have to introduce that possibility, mm-hmm. why not do it? Yeah. And, and another thing that with jiu-jitsu I, I love is that you are comfortable with someone being close to you. Um, like, it, I have chills right now just thinking part, about it. <laughs> the biggest part, the hardest part, when I, so when I trained <clears throat> the officers at my previous department, I had to do just like 30 minutes of just like, here guys, get, get close, get on top of each other. Like, mm-hmm. this is what it feels like to be on top of another person because they don't, that is so foreign to somebody outside of like, you know, their physical intimate relationships yep. to be that close on somebody yeah, and to have, you know, their body weight and you're breathing hard and your face is being crushed. And you can't breathe. You feel like you're going to panic. Ha- 
having that stress inoculation to, you know what, I've been here, I can survive this fight. Oh, yes. What we have is a new generation of kids where um, I was about the last generation of kids where like fighting was kind of permitted in school. Not permitted, but it wasn't just like completely you weren't expelled for the year for getting a physical conference right is it self-defense like was a guy being a dick like you exactly. cool <laughs> but kids today they haven't fought their entire life because that is completely frowned upon so now they're getting into the academy right and maybe maybe they weren't the kind of kid because with the background requirements now you couldn't you can't have too many high school fights because they that's all that's all documented it's a paper trail mm-hmm. your whole facebook social media life has been documented so we can look back in a background investigation and see what kind of trouble you've been in. And with the standard that there is, a lot of people we're getting have been to the academy and never been in a fight in their life and never been, never played a contact sport. Mm-hmm. They've never been hit in the mouth. And they've lived this life where they've been, they've been, you know, never gotten in trouble either. So maybe they've never even interacted with people that, that live the kind of lives that the people that we have to interact with, right? Um, the people committing crimes they've never been around people like that mm-hmm. right so now they've never been hit in the mouth they've never really talked to somebody from uh, a like criminal background never interacted with them and then we're giving them a gun and some uh, wrist lock manipulation training and then we're throwing them out on the street and saying okay now this person's going to scream in your face and he's going to punch you in the face and I guarantee if I don't have I've never been punched in the face, never been in a fight, I've never even interacted with a person coming at me this aggressively, and they punch me in the face, I might feel like my life is in danger when actually it's not. Yes. So you said something earlier that I wrote down and you were talking about the fear, um, acknowledging the fear that exists, like quieting that voice. I think yeah. in the past to have that fear meant XYZ versus what it means is is you have an opportunity. If you hear that quiet, if you hear that quiet voice that's not so quiet, that's an yeah. opportunity for you to calm it down, not run from it, because it's telling you something. So it's yes. it's an opportunity. Your body, all, oh my god. So so the idea is getting them used to, like you said, that stress inoculation, being overwhelmed to the point where you have to take control of your mind. You have to recognize that you're in a state of like fuck. And I've got to get and, and I can get myself out. Yes, and that's why you have to get yourself there, not the first time on the street when yeah. things are actually dangerous and things can actually go get out of hand. You need to put yourself there mentally in training in a safe environment to where when you get out to the street, you've been there before. You're fine. You're gonna survive. Yeah. You just need to buy time until help help till help arrives. Yeah. If you it can't be the first time on the street. So we have to inoculate the stress we have to make you feel that you can't breathe and oh and and overcome that mentally overcome that nope i'm fine i'm just gonna sit here and breathe yeah i'm good you know Mm -hmm. i can survive yeah we have to do that in training not out on the street i couldn't agree with that more and i think what should be added to this is 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 the direction that things are all headed you guys got a preview of what of what our generation looks like when there is when things rise to the surface and what they're willing to do in order to change what they think is wrong. So if if you're not training with civilians coming in and screaming in your face for long periods of time, 
making you feel like a piece of shit, then you're a liability because you're not impervious to these kinds of stress hormones, these fear hormones, these anger hormones. They just come. Yes. And and you're operating under a different set of rules than this person, right? And so you're not allowed to uh, Mm -hmm. react and experience. Yep these same emotions that they are. This is not a criminal yet. <laughs> right. Right. This is a you person. And you represent yeah. something else, right? So you have to detach. You have to be able to detach from all that. And the best way to detach is to understand the emotions that are feeling, you're feeling, recognize them and, you know, set them aside for a second. Mm-hmm. And then be willing to, like you said, pull over, leave it there, yep. pick up, pick up those feelings of love and safety and whatever for your family or for your life and then yes. resume when you need to so that it's you're you're able to compartmentalize but in a healthy way that says I know that exists but that's not everything. Yes, and I think um being able to to check the ego is so big. Mm. Uh, especially when you get into when you when you start when you become overconfident and um, I don't, untrained and overconfidence is just a recipe for disaster, right? Untrained uh, and overconfident. Yes. Say that again. Untrained and overconfident is just a recipe for disaster. It's that it's that mm. that officer who thinks that um, you know I don't need I don't need any of that training. I've been able to handle myself thus far in every incident. It's like well the the time to learn how to swim is not when you get thrown in the <laughs> right right that yeah. that <laughs> that adage is gone and and what they end up in is situations where you know their may their force may be justified but it's ineffective right and when in a, when you have ineffective force that gives the appearance of excessive force right if i'm mm-hmm. if if you've got your arms locked underneath you as a suspect and you roll it over your stomach people people have an idea that it's just easy to pull someone's arms out from under them when they've got them pinned into themselves you know on their stomach down it's an extremely hard thing to do but what you end up seeing in a lot of videos is officers just kind of punching them until they get their arms and like that's not yeah that's not effective that's excessive. Right. And then you've got that's an injury that you're that's... dealing with when you get off work because your fucking hand is blown up too, in addition yeah. to whatever stress is coming. <laughs> uh, the, I, the the biggest um, injury I've seen officers go out on is um, injuries to the, to the knuckle, to the wrist from strikes, mm. from catching someone at a bad angle. Maybe they're not really proficient in how to properly uh, – you know, deliver strikes without gloves on because most people train with gloves on and it's a whole different animal, bare knuckle. Um, I've seen a lot of injuries and guys go out, you know, their whole career, medical retire based on, you know, atrophy and injuries to the, to the knuckles, to the hands. But to me, it's about just being efficient, right? Mm. There's, there's three components to like the perfect arrest, the perfect arrest. I'm talking about the perfect arrest. There's not always going to be three. Uh, you're not going to get all three every time, but are you, did you get hurt? Did the suspect get hurt? And did he go to jail? Like, those are the three components of like the perfect arrest. Um, and if you can do everything in your power to get all three of those, you know, you're doing a good job. I think that it's so important to focus on training. And I, I am so glad that 
<clears throat> you are now in my corner and I'm, whether you wanted to or not, I'm going to ask you all kinds of stuff. I'm currently building a train the trainer program where, um, essentially when you come out for this training, it's similar to going in, have you ever seen these like retreats that you go to <laughs> retreats like a bad word because it seems like spa e or whatever but where you're it's no, like an all immersive like you're in it in for yeah. four days and whatever so that's what i want this training experience to be like where there are so many elements of jujitsu where we're we're breaking down an individual so that we can flesh out the stuff that is um a liability not only professionally but personally and yes. And I'm talking to one of my buddies who, he was a former cop, really into jiu-jitsu, uses that to train cops now. He's like, what you're talking about is it's called the initiation. And and there's a lack of that that happens in our society now as males. There's this lack of male initiation that happens. Is the, and, and I'm a woman, so like this whole concept, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So so tell me, is that, is how does that become a part of, is that a part of how you mentor and train officers? Is that happening just on a sub like an intuitive level well i think there is and the way i would perceive the initiation is that this understanding the the light going off um and being open to the like, the concept that that you aren't very skilled and you're not very yes trained and and, and Here's a reality check. Yeah. I mean, my, so just yesterday, just yesterday at training, 17 year old kid, bigger kid, but I'm a bigger guy. Uh, and I lift weights a lot and it's like, I'm strong. Yep. And, uh, here's a 17 year old kid, unassuming, quiet, really quiet kid. He, he about ripped my arm off. Really? About ripped my arm off. And I had to tap and it was just like, yep. Every time I think I've checked my ego, um, you know, jujitsu comes in and says, nope, not enough check it down again, humble yeah. yourself again, get down there lower. Oh. Um, and it teaches me, I don't have to go, I don't have to go prove myself on the street in uniform and oh. overcome this guy and dominate him. I don't feel the need to do that. I do that in the gym and I know that there are real, real savages who are really nice people who would absolutely just have their way with me mm -hmm. whenever they wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, so. I don't have to prove that out there. I, I check the ego in there. And when you go into a training situation like jujitsu, you, you really get humbled and, um, it makes you a better person. It, 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 it kind of changes your mentality. And that's, I think a lot of people say, Oh, why we train cops jujitsu? Then they'll just be trained out there hurting people. Mm. No, it changes you. It yeah. changes you mentally, spiritually, oh. like, I, it, it's, it's what we want. Yes. It's literally what the world is asking for. It just be, because these people are wired differently, right? I believe that there are like I'm a lover. I could never fucking be a cop. I know that about myself. I am not wired to do it. But there are people who can harness that type of responsibility if you give them the training and the like the support to to do to manage that in a good way. You were talking about um you're not trying to prove something. That brings me back to you, you said earlier, adopting that warrior mentality and where it goes wrong. If you for, it, society has gotten so far away from public servant and, yeah. and, and it be us or them that now you have that strong warrior mentality where you're gonna go out there and you're gonna fucking rule and whatever, that you, you're, that's your body saying that you need to get that type of dominant energy 
moving. And and Jude said, like, if I, I went to my um, town and I said, I think that HSA dollars should be allowed to be used towards jujitsu training or any type of training that regulates your heart rate or connects your breath to your, your emotions. It's important because it changes you spiritually. Like you said, it's a fundamental change that we want to see that will blanket across everything, every new thing that comes up. Yes. And, and just to speak to the, the just the help, with the spirit thing mm-hmm. it's like it's so important it, to me i didn't realize it until i joined this gym and there's and there's such camaraderie the same that i feel in law enforcement i feel that same that same family environment at the gym where i train mm-hmm. uh, and my professor uh he's a police officer uh black belt josh bowling amazing 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 coach uh, but he really fosters that inclusive acceptance like we're not here there's no egos we're not here to hurt each other i train with there's a lot of cops at my gym and um i i love the people at my gym as much as i love the officers that i work with but a lot of them are cops and a lot of them i would not know other than training with them and having that circle that social circle outside of law enforcement Mm. has been so helpful to me and to hear and to know people I know who you are. I know you're a good person. So I'm going to hear your opinion that doesn't necessarily agree yes. with law enforcement. But I know you're a good person. Um, so I know you're coming from a good place. So I'm going to listen to you. Um, and to actually listen to that person and see a different side of things has been so helpful to me. I, oh my God, you were the second person who's been in jujitsu that talks about it. He's like, there. it's every type of background all coming together and you're all like, my boyfriend, he talks about a sovereign citizen that's in his gym that gives him an earful and like no other situation would he be like, yeah, tell me how you feel. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's such an opportunity. You get to see people as, as people, whereas I think now we, um, we're so quick to say, okay, uh, I just need to hear your opinion on one topic, and now I can put you in a group, and now you're yeah. now I'm now I, now I've dehumanized you, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're just a person in this group because you have you have this opinion on gun rights or you have this opinion on abortion. Now I can just completely yep. disregard anything you have to say. Yep. You're not a person, and or you're in a yep. uniform. You're a police officer. I got nothing to say to you. Um, so I think when we start making the personal connection with people that don't agree with us and we 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 connect on a different something else now we can see things we can hear each other out because we do connect on this one thing this love for jujitsu and and our community that we've established but now we can connect on other things because i i'll hear you out because i know i know we're on the same page you know Mm, yeah and it's it's like forcing us to like really divorce that us versus them like you said you 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 said we turn inward when the world forces you to choose and be and because the world forces us to do that we minimize the behavior within our community that's not helpful or toxic because we don't have tools and resources to to navigate and deal with that so we're just we're pulling in and we accept it all and 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 some of that stuff may not be helpful yeah dude i appreciate you so much um and just speaking into like training and stuff like that. I think it's really crucial and I want to do whatever I can to support law enforcement training and, and help bring a solution that makes fucking sense. 
absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, we can stand around and, you know, throw a tantrum as much as we like, but we do have to prepare ourselves and, mm. and for, for a possible change. Yeah. Um, and we have to be proactive about it. We can't just sit on the sidelines for it. And, yeah. You know, if, if there's a, if any officers are interested uh, in jujitsu training, mm-hmm. there's a collective uh, of officers on Facebook and on Instagram, Invictus LEO uh, Jiu-Jitsu Collective. Just a ton of great black belt police officers who are looking to kind of revolutionize training. Uh, uh, BJJ Cop, Jiu-Jitsu Cop, Chad Lyman, Jay Wadsworth, R.E.K. I mean, these are guys that are like really pushing progressive police training um and they go to invictusleo.com to get all that information and they've done surveys and studies Mm. um, on why officers don't train and the benefits of training and it just it it, if you actually sit down and listen to these these uh these great officers explain jujitsu and how it applies to law enforcement and how you can just completely change your life um I think they'll be inspired. Oh, Mike, I'm inspired. I, I started following a couple after I followed you because you reposted some stuff. And it's yeah. it within seconds, uh, within seconds of scrolling through this content, I'm like, oh my God, it's plain as day. And again, police officers, in order to heal some of this PTSD and some of the suicide, yeah. you you've got to tap into that spirituality that's the part that makes being alone with yourself really hard is because you're built to have spirituality and it's never been exampled in front of you in a way that's masculine without being toxic so yes. dude i am i love everything about that i am gonna sneak on that page and <laughs> absolutely i, I encourage everybody and and, you know even if you get even if you decide it's not for you, you know, very few. Very it's few not for me. I'm going to say it right now. I got yeah. into one arm bar. I'm like, no, not for me. <laughs> but but there's value. Officers, though, I yeah. think if we give, if you give yourself two months, you have given yourself such an advantage. Yeah. Um, just even two months of training, three, four days a week, because everyone grows up. Any, any tweaker knows how to throw a haymaker, right? Just a, a one big punch and knock you out and they can catch you with a lucky one that can happen at any point in time because we all grew up learning how to throw punches right but when the average person goes to the ground and that's where fights go whether you want them to go to the ground or not that's where fights go statistically that's where they go so but most people when they go to the ground they are a fish out of water they don't know how to move maneuver their hips they don't know how Mm -hmm. to plant their feet they don't know how to move their body so you've given yourself a huge advantage just by going to the ground. And if you're one of those officers that says, well, I, I don't go to the ground, that's dangerous. You know, you got a weapon involved and if you're rolling around, that's fine. But what better way to, because that's where fights go, you don't have that choice. If someone takes you to the ground, mm-hmm. you don't get to dictate that because you don't ground fight. When you are a ground fighter, you get to dictate where the fight takes place. Yeah. Um, when you get taken to the ground, what better way to get up and escape and get back to your feet where you want the fight to take place than by learning how to ground fight. Right. Right. So if, if you worked on a boat, I wouldn't say, you know what, uh, don't worry about swimming. I'm just going to give you a life vest and you'll be fine. No, I'm going to teach you how to swim. Uh, and you can wear the life vest, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, 
you have to, it's so crucial to know how to ground fight. Nobody gets taken into handcuffs standing. No resisting person <laughs> yeah. gets taken into handcuffs yeah. while still standing. We have to go to the ground at some point. So you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stretch afterwards because... So, so crucial. And <laughs> um, no, no, and, and you're right. Um, Dude, that's so much stress. Like, because you're in a different, because you may be used to it, but you're, you're aware and you understand and you're also absorbing their stress hormones. Like yeah. your body creates an energy field. That's all measurable. That's science now. So you're absorbing yeah. and responding to whatever that person that you're having that altercation with or that incident with, you're absorbing everything from them. Plus your own kind of very raw emotions and feelings plus the actual physical activity of whatever you did. Absolutely. And I, I actually started taking it much more seriously and I've been stretching much more often since your videos and then just kind of doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, because after I heard your interview with officer C like that hit home. Cause you're like, yeah, you SWAT guys, you guys have zero flexibility. And I was like, wow. That, that like, I felt that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it's not I, even I like, a, oh, I'm inflexible. Yeah, it's like, but you get, you know, you fucking guys where you, like, you hop out of your car, you move something, and then your back goes out. Yeah, it, yeah. it your body is literally not being taken care of. <laughs> It all connects. Oh, God. Okay. I wish that like from the mountaintops, I could communicate to to the world that is so obsessed with feelings, which I am too, that like jujitsu is the same as yoga. It's just meant for a different type of human. Yep. Absolutely. Different kind of wiring. I want to look like a little dancer and you want to do some fucking, yeah. Um, Okay. I appreciate your time. You will hear from me forever. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much. And yeah, you guys, um, will you repeat those? Um, one, your name, if people want to contact you, but then also those um, groups that you're talking about? Yeah. So uh, name is Dustin Marvin. And then I have a Instagram, uh, resilient uh, flatfoot, resilient underscore flatfoot. Um, but the... Uh, InvictusLEO.com, or mm-hmm. if you just go on um, Instagram or Facebook and you search the hashtag BJJ Make It Mandatory, um, that's that's started by this collective of five or six officers, black belts, uh, really by two, uh, by Jason and Ari. J- Jason, you follow him, he's BJJ Cop. Mm-hmm. Ari K is another one. Uh, Jiu Jitsu Cop has great information. Chad Lyman and Jay Wadsworth, they are. Uh, uh, C4C uh, combat combatives instructors. They have Chad Lyman posts great videos. I think if you just search Chad Lyman, it'll pop up L Y M A N. Um, and then if you're ever training in the Central California area, you come to Resilience, Resilience BJJ. It's a great place and super cop friendly. Dude, that's awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks again for your time, and I look forward to knowing you more, man. I appreciate you. All right, hold on a second. Yeah. Thank you so much, Officer Dustin. You crushed it. Um, See what I mean? See what I mean? He had a lot of great insights, super great pulse on on how to get control of that mindset. You know, that's what we're all about over at Tackability. 
Um, I think my favorite thing that he said was that like dialogue will be necessary. Like I am such a huge fan of like just that responsibility aspect and just knowing that like we've got to, we've got we've got some work to do on the community of color side. I just I really really loved that. Like we have nothing to lose by, you know, paying attention to what's going on. Um yeah. Um if you are not already paying attention to social media, you really should be because the whole point of that, I'm really really intentional here with that. It's to be your annual support. You through all of the interviews that I've done, that's a huge part of of what's what's leading to the breakdown of officers is there's a lack of support. So these posts that I do I have like a whole calendar, like a whole program, like you're following the programming. I'm giving it to you free. I'm fundraising the shit out of this. Like I'm just giving it to you because COVID is fucking up all the training. Like I said, so whatever. So we're just, we're just getting it to you anyway. So if you're not on social media, be doing so. If you have friends that are on social media, they, they, they need to know about talk mobility. Fucking tell them about talk mobility, man. Um, yeah, I found that like that's how I get my biggest reach is through people reposting stuff. So like if there's something that resonates with you that you see, throw it up on your stories. Throw it up there. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Ravencrest Tactical, uh, one of the sponsors. So if you head on over to ravencresttactical.com, and you use my coupon code, the knife girl 20, you'll get 20% off and you can, they have knives starting at $70. What? So don't hesitate. Um, and y'all, I have giveaways, so many giveaways that are lined up. I'm working on getting you some earplugs and I know that you're just going to freak out when I find them. Um, so if you can think of any other like companies or products that you guys want to try, like, let me know. I'm real. Like I can be a bulldog. Like I can be real annoying to people. So I'll do that for you. (laughs) Have such a great week. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. If you want to join me Sunday a.m., 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I'm in Arizona. I don't know when that fucking changes. But for 15 minutes, we'll just do a few stretches. Just start your day off right, you know? You got the day off most likely, hopefully, or whatever. Just tune in real quick, stretchy stretch, and then bounce. Enjoy your life. Um, All right, you guys, take it easy, and I will talk to you soon.